You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You could turn to the book of John, chapter 14. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, chapter 14, starting in verse 15. John 14, verse 15. And if you do have a Bible, open it up. Uh, you could keep this passage open today because we're going to refer back to it. We're going to look at this passage pretty in depth um, later this morning. And so look at it. If you, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles on the tables. Come get one. Open it up to the, the book of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 15. And in my Bible, it's cool because it has red, later, red letters of Jesus. And so this is Jesus talking about one he's going to send, the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about this month as a little preview. So I'm going to read this passage about Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit. He starts off and says, um, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the father and that you are in me and that I am in you. Uh, and then I'm going I'm to skip to verse 25. We're going to look at the other verses in between later. But skip to verse 25. And it, it continues talking about this promised Holy Spirit that's coming. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace uh, I give to you. I do not give, you, give to you as the world gives, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Let's pray. God, we do thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we pray to you right now, and we thank you that you are in the Godhead, that you are all-powerful, that you are a good God. We praise you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come into our hearts, into our minds? Teach us about yourself. Allow us to feel you, to receive you, to receive your teaching, to receive your knowledge, Holy Spirit. God, we love you, and we praise you this morning. And all of Sunday school screamed? Amen. Amen. Thanks for the screaming. Um, I have something under this uh, uh, curtain right here. And what's under this curtain is an analogy for the Holy Spirit. And before I lift the veil of the curtain, which I'm sure you're all wondering what is in there, I, I need to talk about um, how I came to this analogy and give you some Greek and Hebrew and some Latin words. So uh, if you're taking notes, you could write down the word spiritus. That's the Latin word for, that we have for spirit. Latin spiritus, S-P-I-R-I-T-U-S. Spiritus in Latin means uh, breath. It means wind, air, spiritus. It's this word, like we don't think about it. We just say the Holy Spirit or it's spiritual. And, and we don't think about the etymology of that word. At least I don't very often. But the etymology of the word spirit comes from the Latin spiritus, which means breath, wind, air. And, and in the Bible, 
the New Testament, actually, let, let's, let's look at the Old Testament first. The Old Testament was originally written in what language? Hebrew. Yes, Hebrew. And the word for spirit that, that's translated into English spirit, the word in Hebrew is ruach. Everybody say ruach. It's kind of a fun word to say. Hebrew is kind of a fun language like that. You get to cough and spit a little bit. And uh, ruach also means breath, wind blowing, this idea of air. Air blowing, wind. That's the etymology of this word spirit that we get, ruach. In the New Testament, the New Testament was written originally in what language? Greek, yes. The word for spirit in the Greek is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma. You kind of feel the wind coming out of your mouth when you say pneuma. And that word pneuma means same thing, similar, like an air, wind, a, a pressure, a blowing uh, of air or wind. And, and this month's Sunday school topic, if you have one of these cool little things, um, is it says on there, this is the month of March. We are studying pneumatology. And it starts with a P, but the P is kind of silent. However, I have heard people say pneumatology, and they were smiling. Smart, so I can't disagree with other smart people. Um, but so you could say it however you want. I say it pneumatology. That's how I've heard it. And pneumatology is the study of the spirit, the study of the wind. That's where we get this word: wind, air, blowing. And there's this connection between who is the Holy Spirit and and what He does. This idea of the flowing of air and wind. It's this image uh, through the word itself of of how we kind of um, can help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so under this is something called my pneumatic tool setup. Ta-da! This, if you can see it, I know some of you in the back, it may be a little hard, but this is my air compressor. I bought an air compressor because I think I'm cool and I, I think I like to work on my car. So I'm like, I, re- I want to be extra cool and get what all the really cool mechanics have. And they have air tools. So this is a pneumatic tool. How many of you are familiar with pneumatic tools? You've seen them. Maybe some of you have worked with them. If you like working on your car and you feel like Tim the Toolman Taylor and you need more power, then this is the kind of thing you might end up buying. Um, it's an air compressor. So this is like the engine of the air compressor. It, it, when we, I came in here about 9.30? No, 8.30, excuse me, and turned it on, and it took some air from inside this room, and it blew it into this red tank. And the red tank is a seven-gallon tank of compressed air at about 100. It says it's a, the max is 125 PSI pressure pounds per square inch. I have a regulator set at about 100 PSI, and 100 PSI is about what a bike tire would be at. So there's like seven gallons of bike tire air in this thing. And it's awesome, and it's cool, and, and it has, so it's a tank there, and then I have this long, like, 50-foot hose in case I have to go work on the neighbor's car. And uh, it's a really cool rubber hose. And then on the end of it, I have a tool. And this tool, this is a very simple little tool here. Uh, all it is is a blower. And you can, you can, can you feel that? And it's just, it's just air. It's pneuma. It's pneumatic. It's a tool. And, uh, and so if you're, if you're taking down notes, kind of the point.
point of this part of the analogy. I have two points of the air compressor analogy. And by the way, this air compressor analogy is an analogy. And an analogy, by definition, is something simple that explains something complex. And so please don't think uh, the Holy Spirit is just like compressed air. And it, No, the Holy Spirit is God. You can't... It's not, this isn't God that I just revealed under this curve. You realize, I'm sure you realize that. I just thought I would say there's flaws to this analogy. And so don't, don't, uh, uh, just learn from it what you can. And that's all. So, it's so fun. It's like, lot, check, lots of air. I think it's like checking out the mic for some reason. It's kind of cool. So, if you're writing down notes, you can see the effects of the air, but you can't see the air you could like this the preacher i heard it said you could feel the effects of the you could see the effects of the wind but you can't see the wind this analogy and so i just want to show you what it can do so you won't see the air does anyone see the air no you don't see the air but you could see the effects of the air so i spent this morning ripping up little pieces of paper right here and i've been looking forward to blowing this all over the room and uh and if any of you would like to stay after and help me clean it up, I appreciate that. But are you ready? Let's count down from five, four, three, two, one. Oh, that's so fun. In my head, I was thinking it would like blow up and be like all over the room. But I guess it's not that powerful. <laughs> Which brings me to my next point of this analogy. So I'm going to take off this little tool. And I'm going to put on uh, a bigger tool, a cooler tool. This is definitely more power, as Tim the Toolman Taylor would say. And this, what this is, is an impact drill. It's one of my favorite working on my car tools. Do you hear that noise? That's the sound of raw air power in your hands. And the first day I got this, I, I wanted to test and see how powerful it was. And so I, I, took, I have a forerunner, and I have tires on my forerunner, and those tires are bolted on with little bolts. And so I wanted to screw on a bolt as hard as I could and see if this tool could take it off. So on my forerunner, I went up to a little tire bolt, and I, I screwed the bolts of the tire on as hard as I could with this little thing. It's not that little, I guess. And so I put it on, and then if you're a mechanic, you know that you can get more torque if you have like a pipe wrench or an extender. So I put this piece of pipe onto the uh, extender here, and, I, and then I just, <sighs> I put the bolt on as hard as I possibly could with the pipe extender. Then I took my cool little tool, and at this point I didn't know, is this little hand tool, I mean it's just a tiny, uh, compared to like that big setup, it's just a smaller tool, and all it's being powered by is just compressed air. Um, and so I put this on there, uh, the, the bolt thingy, whatever it's called, the socket, I guess, if you want to get technical. Get on. And then I put it on reverse, turned it up, and then tried to take it off. And with one hand, the, full, the, the power of this little tool had more power than that system because it took the bolt right off. A round of applause for compressed air. <laughs> And so that, that's kind of the, so the first point of this little compressed air little analogy is you can see the effects of the power of the wind, but you don't see the wind itself. Second point is that it has tremendous surprising power. 
Because the Holy Spirit is not just a force. The Holy Spirit is not just a good force. It's not just a force of God. The Holy Spirit is God himself. And God has all power. And God does things in our life. Uh, The Holy Spirit does things in our life that are awesome and surprisingly powerful. Maybe you've seen someone come to Christ and you thought they would never come to Christ. Their, Their lifestyle is way over here. They hate God. But then you see the effects of the Holy Spirit and their heart is is tender and they come to Christ and you see uh, something bad turn into something good or you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit displayed and it's awesome and it's powerful. And and so that's that's this analogy. Compressed air, pneumatic tools and and the the study of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology. So that's that's kind of that um, analogy that I thought. I've been thinking about this like all week. I'm like, dude, it's going to be so sweet when the air blows everywhere. And I tell them, I took the bolt off. So thank you for uh, listening to me (laughs) and my silly little analogy of God himself. So we are studying the Holy Spirit. Before we, we dive into the lecture this morning, I just have one announcement, which is uh, if you're newish to the Mill Sunday School, if this is your first time, I would love to meet you. We have these cards on, on some of the tables. You could fill this out. You could either bring it to me or you could bring it to the nice people at the back of the room. When you leave, there's a, there's a little table and a curtain there, and they will give you a CD which, which has a welcome message from the mill, our college and 20-somethings ministry here at New Life, as well as a few songs that our band put out. <coughs> Excuse me. And so that's for you. So that's the only announcement I have today. We are studying pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want to say that uh, there's four weeks this month, four Sundays, and each one of those Sundays, we're going to have someone from the mill staff share a testimony of their baptism of the Holy Spirit testimony. And so I want to say that at the end of this Sunday school, Erin uh, Meadows, our women's pastor, she's going to share her baptism of the Holy Spirit testimony. It's going to be cool. She's just going to share her story. But I want to say that that's, hopefully that part of the lesson uh, won't throw you off too much or can confuse you. Hopefully it'll just kind of uh, whet your appetite for more because today what we're going to talk about is who the Holy Spirit is. Later this month, we're going to describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, so basically, you're going to hear a story today before it's explained. And, and, and there's a reason why I want you to hear it that way. It's just because I want you to know the heart behind the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and why we're teaching that um, before we get into the, the mechanics of it. So I was, I was going to ask, just out of curiosity, as an as a informal survey, how many of you grew up in a church, uh, come from a church, that did not talk about the Holy Spirit, did not talk about the gifts of the Spirit, was not a charismatic church, uh, didn't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Just by a show of hands, I'm just curious. Maybe a third or so. And so, so the rest of you, raise your hand if you did grow up at New Life or at another charismatic church where they talked about the charisma, the, the gifts. That Greek word means gifts of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, about another one-third. So one-third, one. So another one-third didn't raise their hand. So maybe they didn't grow up in church. I don't know. Maybe they were scared to raise their hand. It is kind of scary sometimes. Anyways, Sorry. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, the very first point in your notes is uh, Trinity. That's, uh, if you've got some notes at the door, that the first note says Trinity. And, and I think it's, it's very easy to see this word uh, try, meaning what? 
three, like a tricycle has three wheels, and this other, the ending is in inti, but, but it's really un, unity, tri-unity, the trinity. The three are one. And as Christians, we use the term trinity to, to explain our God, to, to say that our God is uh, three and one at the same time. And I've heard Christians in, in various circumstances just kind of joke and say, oh, like we could understand the Trinity. It's such a big mystery. And they, and they joke about how it's impossible to understand the Trinity. Well, I don't think, I don't think it should be dealt with as just like a joke, like just blow it off. Oh, we can't possibly understand the Trinity. Who cares? Why try? I think we should try. And I think we should understand our God and at least express as much as we can know about the Trinity as we can, especially to those non-believers or people that don't believe in the Trinity. I think we have a responsibility to explain as much as we can about the Trinity and not just blow it off as a joke and say, oh, it's like understanding the Trinity. There's there's things we can understand about it, but at the same time, there's a mystery. So I'm going to write on the board just the numbers three and one. And I think you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. Let's see, three. I think the battery's out. Oh, no, there it is. Uh, it's supposed to come up on the board, but is it coming up up there? Partially? It's starting to? Why isn't it coming up? Just come up. Three. One. Okay, it likes the one and the th- it likes the one and the dash better than it does the three. Anyways, so that that <laughs> that number is a three and the dash and then one. Our God is three persons. Hopefully, it'll work now. Let's see, persons, one God. <laughs> Man, this is once again it was much cooler in my head. Than, than the actual, just do the G. Okay. Sometimes technology gets, gets out of control. This would be one of those times. Our God is three persons and yet one God. And there's a tension between the three and the one. And the true mystery behind how can it be three and one is, is a mystery. But we do believe, and but we could talk around that mystery and say, we, we firmly hold that our God is three persons and yet one being. And, and we can talk fully, just like we can talk about how Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. 100% a human, 100% God at the same time. It, it's the, the Greek word is the hypostatic union of how that mystery between Jesus' godness and Jesus' humanness at the same time. There's other mysteries. A few months ago we were talking about God here in the Mill Sunday School. And we talked about how God is above us. He's transcendent. He created us. He's all-powerful. Yet at the very same time, He's, he's imminent. He's with us. How can God be above us and with us at the same time? Well, there's a mystery behind that, of how that happens, but we fully affirm that he's above everything and that he's with us. Just like the Trinity, there's a mystery of how the three and the one can both be true at the same time, but yet, uh, the, the mystery is how can it be, but we can talk about it. We can talk about God's threeness and his oneness at the same time. And, and so if you... Um, 
if you get into this analogy and you, and you lean to one side or the other, you begin to get into heresies. If you say God is totally three persons and he's not one, you would get into something that, that I would call tritheism. Tritheism. Oh man, it did not like that M, did it? Anyways, that says, that says tritheism. If you can't tell. You can see it up here, kind of, if you're in the front. So it says tritheism. So if you, if you affirm our God's threeness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, without affirming His oneness, you would get into uh, tritheism. Oh, we believe in three gods. It's like, no, no we don't. The Bible affirms that there is one God and one God only, but He has three persons. If you, if you, if you hold on to God's oneness and kind of forget about His threeness, you might run into a heresy called modalism. Mode, allism, modalism. Yeah, it did modalism fine. Why can't it do tritheism? Anyways, modalism is this idea that God has different modes. Like our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, just has three different changes of clothes. Sometimes he gets clothed in the Jesus suit. Sometimes he gets clothed as the Holy Spirit suit. Sometimes he gets clothed as the Father suit. That's modalism. That's kind of a heresy. It's not kind of a heresy. It is a heresy because it's not affirming the personages within God. That Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not God the Father. Yet they are still all one being. And, and there's a mystery of how that can happen. But as Christians, we do affirm the threeness and the oneness at the same time. We are not tritheists. We don't believe in three gods. And at the same time, we are not modalists. We don't believe that our God is one so much so that when he shows up as Jesus, oh, he's just in a Jesus suit. He's just, or when he shows up as the Holy Spirit, he's just in a Holy Spirit suit. We don't believe that. We believe he's three and one at the same time. And I think that's an important thing to talk about. And it, gets, it, 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 it matters. And especially, I think it matters um, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. Is the Holy Spirit just a, a good force that God, or just God doing something? It's his, it's his force? No, it's God himself. It is God. We can pray too, like we just did opening Sunday school. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. We can ask the Holy Spirit to show us things. We can glorify Him. We can thank Him. We can, we can talk to, pray to the Holy Spirit. And, and so that's, I think that's important in this lesson. That's why I started off with that. And just to give you a verse, that, there's a few verses in the Bible, quite a few actually, that, that talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is God and this triune relationship of God. One of my favorites is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Many of you know this as the Great Commission, Jesus commissioning the disciples and the believers to go and make disciples. And Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so there's that Trinitarian uh, display of when you baptize, do it in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit. Another one that I, I found that I just want to talk about that this morning, I think it's really cool that in Genesis one twenty six, there's this simple line of God saying, let us create man in our image. And then it goes on to say, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, and so it is, not, when I say, let, let us create man, I'm not just saying 
boys, but humankind. You know that, right? Anyways, um, God says, so if God is one, why would he say, let us create man in our image? And there's three kind of answers. Scholars kind of say, uh, there's three ideas that could be going on here. Um, Why would God say, let us, if it's just God, singular? Well, the first idea that some scholars come to is that it's kind of a, a majestic understanding of this passage. And the majestic understanding is something that uh, we don't really use anymore. It's kind of an old English way of talking. Like I, you could imagine the Queen of England in the 1800s saying, uh, what dress will we wear today? And she's talking about herself. It's like, we will wear the red dress because we have the banquet tonight that we have to go to. And it's just her putting on her dress and she's going to the banquet. But she's talking, it's like a self-dignifying way of talking to pluralize yourself. And we don't really do that, but, but maybe the Hebrew does. And so scholars have looked at, well, is there any other place in, in the Bible or in ancient Hebraic writing where, where someone or something uh, uh, self self-deliberation talk makes themselves plural in order to give kind of a majestic connotation? And the answer is no. There's really not other, any Hebrew, any ancient Hebrew example of, of, of someone or something or God saying, uh, let us do this, and he's just referring to himself. So while that could be a solution, that God is just using a majestic, that this Hebrew here is just a majestic form of, of saying that that he alone is about to create in his image. Um, it's, it's, there's no other examples. So number one, uh, majestic, probably not. Number two, he, God could be talking about the angels, the hosts of heaven. And so he's saying to the other angels, the other beings, um, let us create man in our image. But I think we would run into some pretty, just some pretty weird theological ideas because where did angels come from? Were they always with God? Were they, you know, are they like gods themselves, having no beginning and no end? No. Angels are created beings. And so the only one who can create is God. God creates ex nihilo, that Latin phrase for out of nothing. And so how could angels create something? Why would a created being be able to create? And so God saying, let us is, is theologically just kind of weird. It's talking to the angels saying, let us create, let us make a something in our image. And that's not, it just, it just doesn't seem right. But this third one, the, the Trinity, the Trinity explanation of let us create, let us make, I find to be uh, just really cool. I find to be, in, in the context of the Old Testament and the New Testament, we know that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is one with God, that our God is three persons, that this community of the Godhead. And so I just think it's really cool that a, v- a very cool solution to why God would say, let us create, let us make man in our image, is because he himself is three persons. He is triune. And I see that as in Genesis chapter 1 as being an explanation for the, for the Trinity in, in the very, very beginning of the Bible. So I hope to give you that to encourage you with the Trinity is throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. It is who God is, was, and always has been, always will be. Our God is triune. So with that, after talking about the Trinity, let's move on and talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, we believe, there, there's, 
on the back of your skillet, the Sunday school millet, on the back of your notes, there is a statement, and it says, it's, it says at the bottom, the Nicene Creed. And this is the statement that Christians came to. The Nicene Creed was written in the early church, the 300s AD. And Christians all over the world got together and said, say, what do we believe about uh, the doctrine of who, who Jesus is, who the church is, who God the Father is? What do we believe about salvation? And the Nicene Creed is this, this paragraph of, of, the, of creed, of what Christians believe in. And Christians everywhere believe in the Nicene Creed. If you talk to someone who's saying they're a Christian, and they say, yeah, I don't really believe in the Nicene Creed, a big red flag should go up, and you should say, well, what exactly don't you believe in in the Nicene Creed? Because you're calling yourself a Christian, and all Christians everywhere hold to the Nicene Creed. Creed. And the Nicene Creed has, has statements about Jesus, the Father, and then the Holy Spirit. And this is the statement, this three-sentence, two-sentence, three-sentence uh, paragraph about the Holy Spirit is what um, the Nicene Creed says about the Holy Spirit. And I remember I went to a church, a more traditional church as a kid, where every Sunday we would say the Nicene Creed, and we would get to this point, and we would, we would say this, we had it memorized, of who the Holy Spirit is. And it says, we believe... And the Holy Spirit, comma, the Lord. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the Lord. He is God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and Son, He is worshipped and He is glorified. And He is spoken through the prophets. That's what we believe as Christians about the Holy Spirit, that He is the Lord. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, He's worshipped and He's glorified. He's spoken through the prophets. The Holy Spirit is God. And so what I want to do right now with this time is do a little fun discussion. And sometimes discussion is a little hard at first if you're in groups and you're like, man, let's get this ball rolling. But I really want to encourage you to dive right in, look at this passage, and, and, and come to some understandings about it. So, Turn to John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. That is the passage that we read, uh, I, I read, just a few minutes ago. And if you do have a Bible, if you brought your Bible, I think you're really cool, because I bring my Bible to church, and I think that's cool. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can, there's, there's Bibles on all the tables, a couple Bibles. To, I, I would love for you to see it with your own eyes. <coughs> and so turn to John chapter 14 starting in verse 15. And what I would love for you to do is at your tables, and if your table's small, you can join another table to kind of get the discussion going. If you're sitting in the back, I would encourage you to just jump in with a a table. They will be nice. I I promise you that if you say, can I sit here? They won't say, can't sit here, seat's taken. And if they do say that, then you could come up here and sit with me. And up wherever. Anyways, uh, you could be, we could do it together. Anyways, they'll, they'll be fun. They'll be nice to you. So jump in, and here's what I want you to do. I, I just want you to read John, <coughs> excuse me, 14, 15 through 27, and say, what can we learn about the Holy Spirit from this passage? Pick things out, underline things at your tables, at your groups. So assign someone to read it, or maybe two people to read it, and then assign someone to, to be a scribe and to write down some ideas of what can we learn about the Holy Spirit. So, are you ready? If you're a small table, get with a, a, a bigger table so, to facilitate discussion. And ready, get set, go. I would love for uh, some of you to stand up from your group and say, here's what we learned. Here's what we learned, uh, or here's what we could learn 
from this passage about the Holy Spirit. And it may be obvious to your group, and as you're sharing it, uh, it's very obvious. You're like, yeah, it says it right here, blah, blah, blah. But maybe another group didn't catch that. So there's two cool dudes with mics, Matthew and Patrick. And, they, and so get their attention, be bold, stand up, and just speak on behalf of your group. What is your group? What can we learn from the Holy Spirit uh, about this particular passage? Yes, sir. Mr. Bill. Yeah, we came up with uh, that he's a helper, he's with us forever, he's our counselor and teacher, that we know him but the world doesn't, that he's in us, the Holy Spirit is peace, the spirit of truth, and uh, we also came up with the fact that Joel said that he's going to be poured out, things are changing, he's our advocate. That's good, that's good. Yeah, you pointed out a couple, you said counselor and advocate, and that word, if, if, you, if you like to draw or underline or circle in your Bible, circle or underline or, or draw around that word counselor, because Jesus says, I'll give you another counselor, and that word in the Greek, maybe some of you know it, is, is if you're a Greek scholar, if you like studying and, and Bible studies, then you might know that that word is paraclete. And that is the ancient Greek word for a lawyer, someone who is on your side. You, you're not really sure what's going to happen in the courtroom, but, but thankfully you have a lawyer who will help you and explain for you and advise you and counsel you and comfort you. And that, that ancient role of the lawyer is that word paraclete, that Jesus is going to send someone, uh, uh, someone to be with you, an advisor, a counselor. So that's that word. Pretty cool. Yes. Over here-ish? Over there-ish? Yes. Okay, um, one of the things we talked about in our group was, or noticed, was that like God's commands, or Jesus' commands, the Holy Spirit, truth, and um, uh, obedience are uh-huh. all inextricably linked. Yes. And that in order to be truly obedient and to love God the way that we're called to, the Holy Spirit's necessary for that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Here, something that you said along those lines is this whole passage is about... Um, uh, obedience. And so one of the roles of the Holy Spirit that we see other, other places in Scripture is to convict of sin, that we would know the will of the Father because He would convict us if we're on the wrong path, if we're doing something that's not right. The Holy Spirit, one of His roles is to convict us. Also, I think one of the coolest things I've noticed about, and it's just in the first verse, is that it, it, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and He will send you another counselor. And I think there he's talking about himself, someone like me, because Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another, someone who is like me. And we know that Jesus is fully God. And so Jesus, God, is, God the Father is going to send another, like Jesus, God on this earth. And so I, I see that as, as deifying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, kind of by that statement, as well as... Uh, maybe some of you noticed this at your tables, but I think, Bill, you mentioned it, that the Holy Spirit will dwell in us. Verse 17, the end of it says, But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. And so the Holy Spirit is in us. And then skip down to verse 23. Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he'll be my teaching. My Father will love him. And we will come to Him and make our home with Him. So Jesus is referring to him and the Father living inside of you. And he just said, this counselor is going to live inside of you. And it's very Trinitarian. Very three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all living in you. It's not just the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is there, then you can't say, oh yeah, Jesus isn't there. Just the Holy Spirit is there. No, they're one. If the Holy Spirit's here, then Jesus, God the Father, are here because the three are one. Anybody else? You got anything? 
Good. All right. Thank you guys for sharing. I appreciate that. Um, I want, I want to kind of wrap up this uh, Holy Spirit talk. So if you want to go back to your own table, you can. Or if you want to sit with the cool friends you just made, you could stay sitting with them. You're, I kind of put you on the spot, so do, do whatever you feel is right. <laughs> Sometimes I, I say things not really knowing what I'm saying. I, to me, it's funny, and I just laugh it off, but it could be really awkward right now, and I apologize for that awkwardness in the room. Um, so... Uh, <coughs> Yeah, some more things that I got from this passage, just to kind of uh, summarize. The Holy Spirit will teach us. He will remind us. Uh, he has been given to us. Other places in Scripture, from this passage as well as other, other Scriptures, the Holy Spirit has a role of purifying, of revealing things, of unifying, of giving assurance. The Holy Spirit also gives gifts. Sometimes a church will talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and those are listed in the New Testament. And sometimes we'll talk about the gift of prophecy, the gift of the Holy Spirit of, of knowing things, of discerning, of wisdom, of the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues are some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if those kinds of things fascinate you and you're interested in them, then keep coming all this month because we are going to dive into the, those gifts and continue talking about them, which I just think is really cool because Sunday morning, big church, new life, I know that Brady is on a series about the Holy Spirit. And what's cool about that, to me, just personally, is that I planned, we planned, we sat down as a mill staff and talked about the topics for the Mill Sunday School, like in December, and this list came out, so we've been meaning to talk about the Holy Spirit now. It's been in the books that we talk about the Holy Spirit this month. And Brady, I know Sunday morning, and the staff that, that helps Brady with the sermons, they come up with sermon series well in advance too. And it just so happens, by chance, or by the direction of the Holy Spirit, that we, as, as a church, the mill, new life, we would be talking about the Holy Spirit now. And I just think that's kind of cool. It seems like that kind of thing happens often around here where there's this like oh that's cool we're, we're all on the same page it's almost like god himself is acting i think i think it's awesome i think it's cool i, I got excited about that anyway so we will continue talking about the holy spirit this month and we will talk about the baptism of the holy spirit and, and the baptism of this Holy Spirit is something that we're going to spend a whole Sunday morning on. We're going to talk about what it is, how it works. What, like, there's water baptism, but then there's a Holy Spirit baptism. And some of you raised your hands as you come from a charismatic church. You kind of know more about that. You've studied that. You've been taught about that. And the, 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 those of you that raised your hands said, I, I came from a church that's more traditional. It may not be charismatic. They don't talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. And we're gonna, so I'm gonna, we're going to take it slow in a couple Sundays and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to uh, uh, invite Erin Meadows up here. Come on up, Erin. And Erin is our, yeah, let's give her a hand as she comes up. Hello, welcome. This is Erin Meadows. If you don't know her, especially girls, if, if girls, you don't know Erin Meadows, you need to. Often, like, a girl will need to talk to a pastor, and maybe her only known pastor is me because I teach on Sunday mornings, or maybe Aaron Stern, who's another guy on Friday nights. But we have a women's pastor over the mill, and she is gifted and knowledgeable in, in the area of counseling girls. Every single day of the week, she counsels, like,
like a million girls in her office, like one at a time. It's just it's like, it is, it is a miracle that, that she does that. And she's really good at that. So that's her role on staff. And this week I just asked her about, you know, tell me about your testimony of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she told me, and I just said, would you like to share that at Sunday school? Because all this month, every Sunday, we're going to have someone share their testimony of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, sure. And so, ladies and gentlemen... Aaron Meadows. Hello, everyone. Um, just to give you a little brief kind of context of where I was coming from, I, grew, I have a little note card, too, so that I don't... We allow that. Like That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in a Catholic, Catholic home, and so I had no idea what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. So just coming from that kind of area, grew up, um, had a great family, um, when I was in college, found out that my dad had cancer, and it was one of those times in my life where it was a real rocky, rocky period. And so, just realizing there's got to be more to life than what we're doing as a family, and so kind of got us on this search. And my dad ended up passing away, and I gave my life to the Lord right after that. Um, but a very base level of Christianity. Um, Really just, okay, I gave my life to the Lord. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do from here. Um, About five years later, um, actually my mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit about a year after my dad passed away. Um, And so she tried to tell me about it. I'm like, you people are weird. The Holy Spirit is weird. (laughs) Speaking in tongues is weird. I don't understand it. And so I was kind of closed off to it. So my mom was praying for me. And, um, so kind of prayer is powerful, man. Um, so it kind of opened up my heart, um, a little bit throughout the, the next couple of years to be able to listen to stuff on the Holy spirit and to be at least open, um, to what that looked like. Um, so after about five years, I was around 25 years old. Uh, I, um, was just really feeling in my heart, just convicted of a lot of things like, like Joe was talking about, the Holy Spirit had just been working in my heart for, for a while. And I had some sin issues in my life that I had not confessed to anyone. So one day I just confessed to my mom. Um, it was a really interesting <laughs> period of my life. But, <laughs> um, but through that, the, the door was open for me to be like, I want more of the Lord. And I want to know everything that I can. I just had this hunger to know everything that I could about God. So um, I decided I was going to go to Bible school. So I moved back home and I was going to this little church that my mom uh, went to in the town that I grew up in. And um, the, the preacher, the pastor was like, does anybody want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? There's like 30 people in our in this church so it was pretty small but and I was like yes that's me I want to do that and so I just went up to the front of the church and he laid hands on me and I started speaking in tongues I had a very fluent um prayer language right from the beginning so I had a very Chinese sounding dialect (laughs) that came out but just and just through that I just the Holy Spirit just really took a hold of my heart and a hold of my life and I it was about a three-month period um, when all this happened and I was just like yes I need more of the Lord and whatever God has to give me I want it so that's kind of my experience with the baptism good good let's thank Aaron for sharing it Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Careful. Yeah, we're, every Sunday we're going to have someone else share their story. I'll, I'll share my story at some point, and it's very different 
than the story you just heard. And so one of the things we'll get to as we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works, we will talk about how there is not a formula of, of you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. You do this, then you speak in tongues, then you do this. Or, but you have to do this first. No, it doesn't work. There's not a formula for how it has to work. And so we will talk about the Holy Spirit more. I hope to have whet your appetite, given you a small appetizer uh, of this month to come uh, by Erin by sharing her testimony, which she, she did great. And um, so... Let's close in prayer. Let's, let's speak to the Holy Spirit. Let's be open to who he is. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we do worship you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for, for living in us, dwelling in us, being with us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for teaching us things. We thank you for reminding us uh, of what the words of Jesus. We thank you for reminding us of truth. Holy Spirit, we do thank you for convicting us and keeping us on right, righteous paths and are now not allowing us to take other paths that, that lead to unrighteous ways. Holy Spirit, we love you. We, we stand in awe of your power. We worship you, Holy Spirit, as God, as fully God. And Holy Spirit, we're amazed of, of the things you've accomplished. We glorify you for what you've done in our life, in our own hearts. And, and we praise you, Holy Spirit. We love you so much. We leave here full of you, enjoying what you do, enjoying your ways inside of us. So Holy Spirit, we praise you and worship you. And everyone said, Amen. All right, friends. Leave here slowly. High five some people. Throw out some arms for hugs. And uh, we'll see you in big church. Peace out.